0: Sisters and brothers, I'd like to wish you a very pleasant Memorial Day weekend as you pray for one another. May you sense the joy and strength of the Lord Jesus dwelling in your heart and in your relationships during this very strange season in all of our lives. You know, prayer as a daily practice is really what centers you in God. It centers you in His presence and as You center your life in God, God comes and shapes the center of your life. This is the the shaping, the renewal, the the transformation that the scripture talks about. You see, prayer is something like a spiritual software in your life. What it does is is it helps download information about God from your, your brain and helps deposit it into your heart so that information about God becomes the transformation of God into your life so that you begin to practice and to do the things that Jesus did, and increasingly over time, you become more and more like Jesus. The things that are important to God become important to you. The things that God uh, cautions and turns away from are the things that you also uh, are cautioned against and turn away from. No longer is it merely information, but prayer allows God's transforming touch in your life. In today's passage, we're going to hear from Jesus as he instructs us again on how to pray, And so I invite you in these moments, maybe you want a pencil or something to write with. If God would spark something in your mind and you want to go back and, and look at it and think about more deeply later, you're invited to do that. But let's lean in together. Let us listen together and let us learn from the Master uh, out of this passage in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and open them there to Matthew chapter 6. Prayer that centers you in God focuses first and last on God. Prayer that centers your life in God focuses first and last in God. The Bible says in <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus teaching us how to pray, He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're just going to focus on verse 9, which says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, my observation of the two most common times to pray. I'm about to tell them that I invite you, even where you're watching today, if you were to offer up two of your most common observations of when people are most likely to pray, or when you most often see or experience prayer, what would you come up with? For me, my observation, the two most common times of prayer are meals, meals, and a mess. Not the mess that comes from the meals uh, so much, but it's the mess of life, the the things that entangle us. It's chow time and crisis are when I have observed most often people are eager to pray. And uh, uh, a favorite mealtime prayer of my childhood was something you may be familiar with. It was, God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for this food. Amen. Are you familiar with that prayer? That was one I often prayed when I had the opportunity around my family's dinner table as a child. You know, prayer most naturally, according to Jesus, really begins with a focus on God. Before we ever get to our problems, now certainly there are moments in our lives, seasons even in our lives, when the intensity and the, the anxiety caused because of, of troubling issues in our lives, they, they drive us to prayer. And, and that's a good thing to, to turn to God in any season of life. And there are moments when we just need to offload the burden of our anxiety in prayer onto the Lord. And that's all well and good. There's no doubt about it. Because First Peter chapter 5, the Bible says that we are to cast our anxieties on God. Because he cares for you. So that is the great invitation for us in prayers to cast and offload the burden of our soul in, into God's capable hands and onto his broad shoulders. Especially in the moment of a global pandemic like this, you might ask, yes. Especially in a moment like this, when there's illness in my life or my family, yes, those are burdens and anxieties to be brought to the Lord. If I'm facing unemployment or the welfare of a child in my family or an aging parent, or maybe relational issues have come up, and uh, what was once a strong relationship there's there's been a fracture there. Yes, all of these things can burden the soul, and, and it is good and right to bring them to the Lord. But as an ongoing practice. We are wise to train our prayer life, that to center our lives on God in prayer, that are the center of prayer then is to begin and to end with a focus on God. God desires to meet you in the midst of life's troubles, no doubt about it. In fact, Jesus himself said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. God wants you to pray. He wants you to pray every day. He wants your life to be infused with prayer. He wants prayer to be the way to you come and center your life on the reality of God's presence in you and around you. But prayer is more than God pulling you through a mess. You hear what I'm saying? Prayer is more than God pulling you through through the mess, prayer is intended to be more than just mealtime and messes, more than chow time and crisis. As well and good as that is, and God welcomes those prayers. God wants prayer to be trained and disciplined in an ongoing way, so that you can delight in the presence of God through prayer. Prayer leads us, according to Tim Keller in his book titled Prayer. He, and prayer leads us into the awe of God. And into the intimacy with God. The awe of God and intimacy with God. In the rest of our, our minutes together, we're going to focus on those two concepts. Intimacy, intimacy with God and the awe of God. That's what prayer helps us do, is to focus on those two realities. When we are encouraged by Jesus to pray, Our Father, this is a very familiar way, it's, it's Allowing us to to think about God from a very close, relationally close, positionally close perspective with God. Our Father, it is God who draws you and me into relationship to Himself. It it is God who draws us to, to be with Him. Uh, my family recently went uh, to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and on our on few days in that city, we were tourists, we were visiting different sites, we went to a place called Cave of the Winds, perhaps you know it, and the Cave of the Winds is, is this amazing tour of caves inside the mountains. And, as we went, there were two different tours we could take. The first tour uh, was a wonderful tour. Uh, it was lit all the way. You got to see all the beautiful formations, and, and you learned how the, the cave is, is alive and growing and changing and really fascinating stuff. But what drew our hearts as a family was to do the, the candlelight tour. The candlelight tour was... Like tour, you had to go on the other side of the mountain and enter through a sketchy kind of side door. Uh, you, you go in and uh, you have a guide, praise the Lord, uh, because as you get into the cave, uh, it's an hour and a half long tour. And all you're given is, if you can imagine, a pail, it's literally about a metal pail. Bucket that's turned on its side, and so you're holding a handle on the top. And from from the bottom, there's been a hole drilled with a single candle placed in that that bucket, and that is your single light. Everybody has one. There's about 15 or so people on the tour, and so imagine uh, 15 candles lighting your way through an, an immensely dark. Cavern. That was our tour. And of course, we would stop along the way. We would uh, be told ghost stories about different things that supposedly happened uh, in, in the cave and the reputation of the cave. But here's what what I learned about uh, caves. And I'm not sure I'm going to be much of a spelunker uh, the rest of my life. Because number one is that caves are really tight in spaces. In fact, when we first entered the cave, we had to squat down almost on our knees For what seemed like a thousand yards, it was probably 25 feet, (laughs) but it seemed like forever. And I remember as we went going and and were moving, I remember feeling a little claustrophobic and and wondering, you know, as I could feel the cave on either side of my shoulders and and just above my head, and I was hunched down trying to maneuver through the cave as we uh, came into the opening. I was, my breath was getting faster. It wasn't just because I was out of shape. I think I was beginning to really, uh be uh, a little concerned about my place in that cave. But I learned that the caves are often very tight spaces. But it certainly reinforced my understanding how dark caves are. Because there was a point in our tour when we uh, uh, extinguished all of our lights. And literally, you could not see anything. All light was absent from that space. It was quite a tour. And I tell you, if we did not have a good guide to lead us through, here eight months later, I'm sure I would still be in Cave of the Winds in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I never would have exited that space if it had not been for a guide that I put my trust in and followed without question <laughs> because I knew he knew the way. And he would take us through the darkness, he would take us through the tight spaces, and he would walk with us, and you know what, when we had our lights extinguished, guess who had The lights relight all of the candles. Our guide did. That is just what Jesus is for us through prayer. Jesus is our guide. You see, it is Jesus who guides us into the very heart of God. It is Jesus who provides access to God. Our ability to even approach God is made possible because of the guiding hand of Jesus himself. Jesus is the only guide who can lead you and me into the presence of God to fully know and truly be with God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says, In Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and and confidence. Here's what the Bible tells us that those who have turned away from sin and traded that sin for the forgiveness that Jesus offers and that the work on the cross, his death on the cross, made possible the forgiveness that he extends to you. That we are adopted then. When we trade our sin for the forgiveness of Jesus made possible at the cross, we are adopted into the family of God. That's why the Bible says that I have become a son of God. And women who have done this act of faith and uh, let God redeem their life, they have become daughters of God. According to uh, theologians, uh, famous theologians, Martin Luther, John Calvin, they they tell us that praying our father is, is a reminder of our being adopted into the family of God. It is a reminder that that God implants over time in our hearts a comforting trust of God's fatherly love for us. That is that is why Jesus invites us to pray, "Our Father," is to remind us of our adopted status. If indeed we have. Given ourselves over to Jesus, received his forgiveness, and we turned from our sin, and he has made us new, and he's adopted you into his family, and he calls you now son or daughter. Jesus is the guide who allows you to access the presence of God, to enter into by his blood into the throne room of God. He is the guide. Our Father, we are able to pray. You see, it is intimacy in prayer. That is one aspect that God wants us to know in prayer, is that we have an intimate invitation to be with God and to be in the very heart of God, to know God more and to trust that God knows us and that we are accepted by God thanks to the cross of Jesus. So intimacy with God
1: is one of the great invitations
0: That God has for you in prayer. Not just to guide you through the crises of life, which He will do, but it's also so that you can rest in the intimate uh, coordination of your life with God, the intimate friendship with God. But there's a second aspect, especially out of verse 9, and that is prayer allows us to focus on the awe of God, to be in awe. Of God's presence. That's what prayer allows us to do in a regular way. Jesus says we are to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What does this mean? I'm glad you asked. It is a description of God's name and, and we know in the Bible when we talk about names, we're talking about the character of an individual, the nature of that person. And, and so when we talk about hallowing God's name, it is it is a, a reminder that God's name is to be revered, it is to be elevated, that His nature and person are to be honored and revered, that God is to be honored. There are three, three ancient, older theologians who give three various insights. I've tried to summarize these very simply for our remembering today. Uh, theologians are Martin Luther and uh, St. Augustine, and John Calvin. And they offer three different aspects of our understanding of what does it mean when we are to pray, hallowed be thy name. Martin Luther says, he focuses on it, that, that we are honoring the family name. And here's what he means by that, is that when when someone is adopted into a family, they, they usually are taking on the name of the one who has adopted them. And so you and I, as an adopted son or daughter, into the family of God, we carry now the family name of God. And so, one of the ways that we are to honor and hallow the name of God is by remembering to ask God for strength that you and I might carry on the family name with honor and dignity and respect. But that the activity of your life, and the choices of your life, would reflect an honoring of the name of God. That you carry and bear God's name on you. And so, your life. It's a, a reminder that we, we live in. Christ-likeness, that we pray similar prayers to this, God, may I walk so closely in Jesus' footsteps that I never dishonor the family name that I share. That's one way, that's the way Martin Luther helps us understand what it means to hallow, to revere. The name of God. Well, uh, St. Augustine, uh, many uh, centuries before Martin Luther, he focuses on the mission of God, that to hallow God's name is to focus on the mission of God, that just like you. Hallow His name. We we worship God. We, we honor Him. We venerate the name and presence uh, of God. That, that it is our call to be in on mission with God, so that uh, we are to take that same name. And until it is the name of God and the relationship with God is revered across all nations and all peoples, uh, that then our mission is not complete. And so Augustine helps us to focus on the idea of hallowing God's name. Is, is a way of taking the name of God and inviting all people to also revere the name of God. And then John Calvin, back during the Reformation days as well, he focuses on a third aspect of what it means to hallow, hallow the name of God. And he focuses on the beauty of God. He, he says that, that we have not properly hallowed the name of God until we have been captivated by wonder at the beauty of God, the beauty of His grace, the beauty of what he's done in Jesus Christ, and the beauty of his invitation and willingness to adopt you into his family so that you too might bear the name of God. In fact, John Calvin would say for us that that this idea of of being captivated by the wonder of God's beauty is demonstrated in your life as you display gratitude in all of your life. In fact, he says ingratitude of life is the most dishonoring, is the most defamatory way that we do not hallow the name of God. I have found these three descriptions of hallowing the name of God very helpful. I hope you do too. When prayer starts, uh, it is a focus on God, and we focus first on God in the daily, ongoing practice of prayer. It is so good to learn to focus first, to settle in first, First, on the presence of God, on the person of God, on the name of God, on the character of God, to hallow the name of God, to stand in awe of God and all of His brilliance and all of His glory, to wonder at His beauty, to wonder and marvel at His might. That is what it means to be in awe at the presence of God. And brother and sister, when you start prayer in an ongoing way, day after day after day, when God is your starting point and your ending point of prayer, I tell you, it will structure and revolutionize your prayer life. Because you're centered not on your need. You're centered not on the things you think will make you happy. You're centered on the purpose and will of God above and beyond everything else when that is the center of your life, everything else in life takes its proper order out of setting God as your centerpiece of your life. You center your life on God in prayer, and God comes and begins to, to shake the center of your life. That's what prayer allows us to do. And in the process, we find that the beautiful intimacy that prayer allows us to have with God. And that is the great joy that prayer is. So you see, I at least find when I center myself on God in a regular practice of prayer, I begin and end with a centering on God, I find that it it, it helps settle me in the presence of God. It, It helps me receive perspective on my life. And when I begin to focus on the majesty and bigness of God, you know what usually happens for me? Is that my problems? Though they don't always just instantly go away, but they sure are minimized in my perspective because I'm reminded of the bigness and the grandeur of God, and where the problems that beset me uh, fall in, in, in place in the shadow of God's presence. They become much smaller. They become less consuming for me. So when I when I focus my my prayer by centering on God first, I receive I think healthy godly perspective about God's place in my life. And then, not only do I receive perspective, but I'm also able to release panic. I receive perspective of my life, where God is in the midst of my life, and I'm able to release the things that that want to drive me toward panic. I receive perspective, I release out of my life panic. You get the idea? Is that allows God to have His appropriate bigness in my life and the issues of my life, as important as they are, they grow smaller as I am changed in perspective. I'm reminded that I am in God's hands. Where else would I want to be than in the hands of God? Where else do you want to be than in the hands of God? I don't want to peel God's thumb and fingers back. You know, let us. I don't want to do that. And then to go and walk my own way. That's not what prayer calls limitless resources. We're reminded of those in Ephesians chapter 3 uh, when Paul says that I pray out of God's glorious riches that he may strengthen you through his spirit in your inner being. Amen and hallelujah. I don't know about you, my friends, but uh, one great helpful structure for my prayer that really it is a, a modification and a way of adapting this, uh, not that we're changing God's word, we're adapting it for uh, common use in our lives. is is the acronym uh, ACTS, A-C-T-S, not the book of the Bible Acts, but A-C-T-S, A standing for adoration, the C for confession, the T for thanksgiving, and the S for supplication. If you're looking for a way to give structure to your prayer, maybe this would be a helpful guideline for you. Adoration of God. You begin with a focus on the majesty of God, the splendor of God, the almighty nature of God, the good character of God, the love of God, the wrath of God, his his, uh, inability to interact with sin, the the future of God, the the promises of God for that future. You, You focus and begin prayer life, your daily prayer, with an adoration of God, and that sets the tone for all of your All of your prayer life. And then confession. We'll come to that later in the series about being in tone and in touch with uh, the besetting sins of my life and surrendering those over to the Lord and having a posture of thanksgiving always that allows me, as John Cowley said, to to hallow the name of God, is to have a a heart of gratitude and and thanksgiving to God. And then supplication, that is to lay out the needs of my life, the needs of my family, uh, my work needs, my relational needs, whatever the needs you might have. Uh, is to lay those out because God cares for those as well. I, I love how my wife, I'm going to end with this, has adapted even this, an uh, ACTS format, A-C-T-S, prayer for our children. And I can't tell you how blessed I have been over the years to hear her praying with our children at bedtime using the Acts acronym. Here's how she do it. She says, God, you're amazing because... And then it's just a long pause allowing them uh, to fill in the blank. God, I'm sorry that I... And it's an invitation to really focus on myself, not on what others have done wrong. So that's easy, right? But to focus on on where I have misstepped and failed and sinned and inviting God's cleansing and that. And God, thank you for it, and allowing our kids to fill in the blank. And then wrapping up the prayer with, God, please help. And there's another open-ended statement to allow them to begin thinking about God and inviting God into the presence of their life and being aware of His presence in them. And so parents, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a way, maybe you're looking for a way to help guide your children into prayer, this perhaps is a way that you could uh, use uh, this model for praying and to guiding your children into praying. And I tell you, it is something that you have to develop over time. You know, prayer doesn't come just simply in endurance in prayer. It takes months and years to learn and to develop a life of prayer that is focused on the model of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter how old you are today, how young, or how many years you've lived. It doesn't matter how much you've prayed in your life. You can start praying today. You can start praying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let that be the entry point to your daily prayer with God. Let's pray together. Living God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to be together, the reminder about prayer and how wonderful prayer is. It allows us to be reminded of the intimate close relationship you have made possible through Jesus, that Jesus is our guide into your throne room, and that his cross has paved the way for us to come wholeheartedly to you. And we stand as we pray, even on bent knee, we stand in awe of you, God, looking and being reminded of your splendor, of your majesty, and we pray that our prayer life will always be infused. With these realities, the awe of God and the intimacy that you invite us into. Uh, May these be the hallmarks of our prayer, the beginning and end of every prayer that we have. May it begin with you and end with you, just like our lives will be. Make it so, we pray in the name of Jesus, together. Amen. Amen.